morning church family it is Easter Sunday morning and we are so excited about the opportunity that has been afforded us to come to you online the coronavirus continues to march forward but it is eventually going to run its course and we will all be back together soon that is our prayer but today is the day that the Lord has made and we're gonna rejoice and be glad in it we're gonna continue our series on the Via Della Rosa I've explained this over the last few weeks we know that the Via Della Rosa actually means the way of suffering Jesus Christ went through the way of suffering to the cross and we're going to talk a little bit about the cross today, but we're going to mostly talk about an empty grave because today's message is entitled, The Evidence and Victory of Resurrection. One of the things that I'm learning as we walk through this COVID-19 pandemic together is that God is never late, we're just impatient. And I know that all of us can work on this particular area of weakness in our lives. Why? Because the Lord is teaching us something through all of this. He has removed our opportunities for playing ball and watching our kids play ball. He has removed us being able to go to the movie theaters. He has removed a lot of the things that we all took for granted. Well, right now, it's all about Jesus, all about family. And that's why we're here today going online to have our three Easter services coming to you through a camera lens, but also speaking directly to the Lord Jesus because he is our audience of one. So I've learned and I pray that you will learn as well that God always has a plan. He had a plan in the garden. He had a plan in Egypt. He had a plan in the wilderness. He had a plan in Babylon. He had a plan in Jerusalem. Oh yes, he had a plan on the cross. He had a plan in the tomb, and one day, a plan in the clouds. So as we walk through this time together this morning, I want you to consider four words. I want you to keep these very, very close to your heart, understanding the plan of God. The four words are crucified, died, buried, and risen. Now, we know this story. Many of us who've been in church our entire lives, I don't want you to turn me off just yet. I don't want you to turn down the volume just yet because maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit wants to speak something into us today because crucified, died, buried, and risen is the gospel. So if you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, or your Kindle right there in your house, I want you to turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at a couple of verses here, which is a synopsis of the gospel of Jesus Christ, where the Bible says that I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Those are powerful verses. Those are verses that you and I can take to heart. They are actually game changers for God's glory and for our good. I don't know about you, but I need some game changing in my life. 
I need God to do something radical. I need for Him to bring revival in my heart and in my life this morning. What about you? Even these last several weeks of being quarantined or being sequestered and you hadn't been able to go out and do everything that you wanted to do. Maybe God has just hit the pause button in our lives just long enough that we will once again be able to hunger and thirst for His righteousness. So I want us to look at that first part of verse 3 that's very close to all of our hearts that simply says that Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. Now, based upon that statement, which is a very powerful statement, how did Jesus die? Well, the Bible says that he was crucified on a cross. The cross was something that the Romans had learned from their forefathers and other wicked, evil countries on how to get truth out of prisoners as well as once they had gotten everything from them that they could in interrogation, then they would kill them on a cross. Well, see, the Bible says that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was crucified on a cross. Well, then we beg the question, who actually crucified Jesus. Well, I think the answer may surprise all of us today because the Bible says it was God who brought this to pass. Now, again, don't turn that dial. Don't turn me off. Don't turn the volume down because over the years as a pastor, as I've studied God's word and come to some recognition that it was God who allowed it to come to pass that his only begotten son, Jesus, would die on the cross. See, I really didn't understand that till I became a dad. Until my little boy was born, who's now a young man of 14. And then when my precious little girl was born, and I said, Oh my goodness, anybody ever asked me to let my child die for them? Absolutely not. Well, see, that's the reason why I'm not God and you're not God. But our Heavenly Father was willing to set a plan in place from the very Garden of Eden that would ultimately lead to His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. Let me give you two scriptures to consider. Isaiah 53 and 6 says, And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Now I want you to let that sink in for just a moment. Every sin you've ever committed... Every sin that I've committed has been placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. He said, well, hold on a minute, Pastor. You weren't born until 1964. How could your sins that happened after the fact be put on him? Well, because he's God in the flesh and he can do that. Because the Word of God teaches us from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah that the Lord has laid on Jesus the sin and the iniquity of us all. And then if you go four more verses into verse 10 of that same chapter, Isaiah 53, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Now listen, I've been a dad long enough that I've wanted to do some things to Zeke, but I've never wanted to crush him. I've never wanted to hang him on a cross. I've never wanted him to sacrifice for others. But once again, our Heavenly Father was willing to do that for us. And so that is the challenge of an Easter Sunday morning. Knowing that it's all about family. And, and on a normal Easter, we'd be taking pictures in the hallways. We'd be hugging on one another, loving on one another. And right after the service, we would head over to a grandparent's home and break bread together. Then hunt for Easter eggs. But today is a different day. 
Maybe it's a day that we all just sort of focus on what Jesus Christ was willingly able to do for us 2,000 plus years ago. Now, I want you to hear your pastor's heart for just a moment. I do not repeat scripture without studying the context and also the content to make sure that it is saying what exactly it is saying. So listen carefully. Peter and John were doing some preaching over in the book of Acts chapter 4. This is a very powerful passage of scripture, and I want you to follow it with me at the bottom of the screen. It says that the kings, which we know Based on context and timing, this was the Romans. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers. Now the rulers are the Pharisees. The religious zealots during the time of Christ. What happened? They were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Those who were his followers. Now we know that that number dwindled down to 120 in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And then the next verse says, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Now, what did they do? Well, verse 28 sort of explains what all of these co-conspirators did. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So, Pastor, are you telling me that God actually did this? That's exactly what I'm saying. That in the foreknowledge of Almighty God, that as soon as the forbidden fruit touched the lips of Adam and Eve, the shadow of the cross appeared on the horizon. I stole that from Max Licato. Over the years, I've shared that quote over and over again because it basically sums up what the sermon is about today. That God's hand and God's plan was played out exactly how God intended for it to be. Now, of course, that was Peter and John actually talking in Acts chapter 4. But let's go to the sermon of the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 in verse 23 that simply says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. You say, now pastor, you just got through saying that God did it. Well, God used lawless men to take his son to the cross and in his willingness to die for us that the sins of humanity were placed upon him that when he died, you and I were set free. He died vicariously in our place. Jesus Christ did that for us. But you know what? If you go back to the Old Testament and remember that God used the hands of lawless men, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medes, and the Persians to judge ancient Israel and Judah. Well, now we see in our story in the New Testament that God uses lawless Jews and Gentiles in the first century to carry out God's plan to redeem the world through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't really remember how old I was when I memorized John 3.16. John 3.16 is one of those verses that all of us, when we're little boys and little girls, sometimes is the very first scripture that we memorize. And then as we get older and we become adults, we sort of forget the power of that verse and we just sort of run through the verse. But at the bottom of the page, 
that you're watching right there, read that with me. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, John 3.16 should mean a little bit more to us now. It should mean more to us because our Heavenly Father was willing to send His Son to the cross. And it should have been me. It should have been you. But because of God's grace and because of God's mercy, we didn't have to go to the cross then, and we don't have to go to the cross now. We have been set free once and for all. The sacrifice of Jesus has not only set us free, but it's also redeemed us and given us eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven one day. That's good news. Amen. Well, see, that's what the gospel means. It means good news. So this good news is for all men at all times. If we are willing to repent of our sin and to believe in the gospel. So when you and I begin to think about all of this, this was and is God's ultimate sacrifice for all of his creation. So Jesus saw sin not as our pet to tame, but a terrible beast to slay. And thus he died to kill it. Jesus Christ died on the cross to kill our sins. So yes, Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. Now, notice this written expression of the gospel authors in John chapter 19 and verse 30 about how Jesus died. The Bible simply says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, declare that Jesus had breathed his last. So be very careful, especially if you read or follow liberal theologians. They'll tell you that Jesus just passed out on the cross. And when they put him in that tomb, the cool air of the grave actually woke him up. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Our Savior died. He died on the cross. He breathed his last. He gave up the Spirit. Based upon the testimony of Scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2, that there's a time to be born and there is a time to die. So if Jesus can die, what about us? The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 14, For what is your life? And when I was studying and preparing for this message to preach this morning, I thought about our friend David, 57 years old. I still can't wrap my mind around that he's gone. But you know what his death has done? It has challenged me to live out every day to the fullest. You know, we can get lazy sometimes. We can become somewhat apathetic about life. But James so long ago says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for just a little time. Then it vanishes away. Now, we will not soon forget our friend. Maybe you have loved ones that maybe are older and they've lived a long, full life. But compared to eternity, it is all nothing but a vapor. So I think that's why it's important on an Easter Sunday morning that, yes, we tell that old, old story about Calvary and the cross and the empty grave. But we also should warn people. 
Hebrews 9 and 27 does that. It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, a judgment. You now see, that judgment is one of two judgments. The Bible calls one the judgment seat of Christ. You'll find that in Romans chapter 14, verse 10. That says that all of us will give an account one day of things that we've done in our body, whether they are good or whether they're bad. Well, the judgment seat of Christ is for those of us who are believers. But there's also in Revelation chapter 20 what's called the great white throne judgment. That's for those who are not believers in Jesus Christ. The religious zealots of other major world religions that have not bowed their knee and professed Jesus Christ as Lord. So yes, after this there is a judgment. And I would ask you on this Easter Sunday morning, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, are you ready? Are you prepared to meet God? Are you prepared to walk into eternity today on this Easter Sunday 2020? Listen, if you're not... You're in the right place at the right time. And you may not have ever darkened the door of our campus at First Baptist Church Athens, but you're listening this morning. You're listening to a message on how you can spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we hear of someone's death, we believe that's their final act, but it's not. In fact, you and I are in the land of the dying, headed to the land of the living. And because of that great truth today, that's why we can be excited. That's the reason why we can have joy today. Because we know that death is not the end for those of us who believe in Christ. It is simply the beginning. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as an Adam all die. And listen to me this morning. If Jesus Christ tarries his coming long enough, one out of one of us are going to die. It's the odds. It's the statistics. It's just how it is. Now, if our lives happen to get interrupted by the first Thessalonians chapter four adventure, where Christ returns in the clouds and those of us who are the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Woo! Glory! And nobody will have to come at the funeral home and stare at my body one day. But listen to me. We're not guaranteed that. That's why we must know Jesus. That's why we must be prepared for death. Because we never know. We don't know the hour. And we certainly do not know the day. That's why the gospel is good news. And it can help each and every one of us today to have the assurance of our faith in Jesus Christ. Knowing that death is sure. And because it is sure, we must be prepared. It's been said and written many times in many different languages that death is our universal enemy. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 26, it says that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Whoo, glory. That last enemy, there's going to come a time where there's no more cemeteries. There's no more death. There's no more hearses. There's no more. And the Lord will wipe away every tear from our eye. And there will be no more pain. And there will be no more suffering. And there will be no more sorrow. Why? That last enemy called death is destroyed. Jesus Christ has promised us that through his word. So let me give you two statements to consider. First of all, Jesus lived the life that we could not live. There's no way you and I can be perfect. We can try as hard as we can. 
and we can try to say the right things, we can try to do the right things, we can try to be perfect, but we're always going to fall way short. So Jesus lived the life that we could not live. And then secondly, to die the death that we deserve to die. That's what Jesus did for us. He died the death that should have been our death. Now listen, I may have to die physically one day, but I'm only going to die one time. Cool glory. And if it happens sooner than later, you can wait for me for about 15 seconds and then know that I am in the presence of the Lord. But see, if you don't know Jesus, you'll have to die twice. You'll not only have to die physically, you will also die spiritually and be separated from God forever and forever. I don't think that's what any of us desire. I don't think that's what any of us aspire to. But there's only one way to avoid that second death. And that is a personal relationship through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. But secondly, he was buried. Hmm. They buried the Son of God. They buried God in the flesh. Well, that's what the Bible says. Notice with me at the bottom of the screen, Matthew 27. The Bible says, And Joseph took the body and he wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. The whole life of Jesus, I want you to think about this, based upon that scripture, that the life of Jesus was always about borrowed. A borrowed manger, a borrowed donkey, a borrowed room, and a borrowed tomb. Why, he wouldn't stay in there. He, he was not to be here forever. Praise God, on the third day he rose from the grave. But he was buried, according to the scriptures, because the Bible bears this out. In fact, Matthew encapsulates what all the other synoptic gospels wrote. But let me give you what John said about this situation. He says in John 19 that after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus, they bound it in the linen cloth with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. So let's just talk just a moment, if we can, about first century burial practice of the Jews. So after someone in the first century died... They would wash the entire body. They would anoint it with oil. Then the hands and the feet were then wrapped in linen bands. Then the body clothed in a favorite garment was then wrapped with winding sheets. Spices of myrrh and aloe were then placed in the folds of the garment to perfume the body. Because if the body stayed out long enough, there would begin to be a stench. Then a napkin was then bound from the chin to the head, and then the family would take the body on a funeral cart to be buried, usually within a few hours of death, not days like we do it today. So we understand the context that, that Jesus, after he died, taken down from the cross, then they prepared his body for the burial, which brings us to point number three. This is exciting. That Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, 
just as the Scripture said. Now, have you noticed on these three major points this morning that it was always just as the Scripture says? Not what Joel said, or not what other pastors or preachers or evangelists may say, but it's just as the Scripture said. Because no one would have the mental faculties to create a story like this. That's why, yet with all of the other reasons, that I know that it's the truth. Because this truth of the gospel set me free a long time ago. It can also set you free today. We are here to celebrate an empty grave. So let's get a little glimpse, if we can, from Dr. Luke. Luke chapter 24. The Bible says, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, what they do? They went to the tomb. And they took their spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone that was rolled away from the tomb. Now let's bring that to present day. What does that mean? It means that you and I maybe are headed over here to Rose Lawn or one of the other cemeteries in Athens. We're going to visit a friend or a family member. And we go up to that grave and the grave is burst open. That's what the disciples and those women found that first Easter morning. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. I would have loved to have seen their faces and experienced their response of, Where is Jesus? What has happened to our Lord? Which brings us to a significant point this morning. Everything hinges on the resurrection. Now, there are a lot of things in God's Word that you and I might can disagree about. There are a lot of peripheral type issues about the law and about even certain teachings in the New Testament that your denomination may be different from my denomination, but we always have the common denominator of Jesus. But I once again reiterate the point that everything, everything hinges on the resurrection. So what does that really mean, Joel? Well, belief in the creation narrative is important. Belief in the exodus is important. Belief in the kings and the prophets is important. But friend, today, if you want to be saved, if you really want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you must believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. No ifs, ands, or buts. You must believe in the sinless life of Jesus. You must believe in the vicarious death of Jesus. And you must believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, Pastor Joel, have you gotten a little bit narrow-minded? Well, you can afford to be when it's the truth. And this is the truth of the gospel. You can't water this down. You can't take a piece of this out. You've got to believe these things in order to be saved. And that's why I believe that on this Easter Sunday, some of you watching today, you had not been in church in years, but because of the coronavirus... You find yourself at home and someone invited you to listen to this message today. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. And today would be a great day to do that. Because nothing else works without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as I begin to close this morning, let me give you why the resurrection is so important. Still got your Bibles? Good. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Now there are some points that just sort of leap out at me from that. That if you look at that 
text of Scripture that if the resurrection is not true, then Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is still in a tomb somewhere in Israel and His body has rotted away and there's nothing left but bones. Secondly, if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the grave, then I'm wasting your time this morning and any kind of faith that you think you have is nothing but vanity. That's how powerful and important the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about. That's why a billion or so Christians around the world today are celebrating a risen Savior. Oh, we may have disagreements about baptism and about communion and the Lord's table and a lot of other things, but on this day, one thing we all believe, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Friend, do you believe that? Do you believe that a man was graveyard dead and then rose again? And he rose again and the only thing that was harmed in his body were nail prints in his hands and his feet and a wound in his side. That's all that was left. You and I need to understand this power and truth of the gospel. So let me try now to land the plane this morning. And I think the best way to do that is to take us back to the cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 is so important to us as followers of Jesus. It simply says that He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Are you living for righteousness today? Or maybe, just maybe, you've gotten off track. And you're now the prodigal son. You're now the prodigal daughter. Maybe for the last six months you've been doing your own thing and this COVID-19 stuff has gotten your attention. Maybe this morning, Easter Sunday morning, it's time for you to come home. Your parents have been praying for you. Your, your grandparents have been praying for you. Your, 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 your girlfriend, your boyfriend have been praying for you. Maybe your spouse has been praying for you. They simply want you to come back home. Because they know that you believe, but you just sort of wandered away. It's time to find your way back home. I love the second part of that same verse that says, By his wounds you have been healed. You know, Jesus had wounds on his body. He had contusions on his body. His skin was ripped away. The, the flesh, all of those wounds... You and I have been healed. Let me tell you what's something beautiful about the word healed. It's a Greek word, sozo, which also means saved. So by his wounds, you have been saved. And friend, today, you can be saved. You see, at the cross, God expressed his wrath towards sin. At the cross, God endured his wrath against sin. And at the cross... God enabled salvation for sinners. People like me. People like you. So, pastor, if that's the truth, and I'm starting to believe that maybe you believe what you're talking about this morning. Oh, I certainly do. I'm passionate about it. Maybe we understand what Mark shared so long ago, very simply. He says, the time is fulfilled. And maybe... Today's time is fulfilled for you. Maybe all of this has happened 
across the country and around the world so that you would be watching right here and right now. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Your translation may say, repent and believe in the gospel. Do you need to do that today? We've got some friends who are willing to take your phone call right now. 256-232-0602. They would love to have a gospel conversation with you. Now listen, I know that some of you are so shy and to talk to a total stranger about this would be so far out of your comfort zone. Well, right underneath that telephone number is an email address, info at fbcathens.org. We would love to hear from you. We would love to know that we had an opportunity to talk to you about Jesus. It can be via email. It can be live on the telephone. This very hour, if the Holy Spirit is drawing you to salvation. Now let me remind us all that none of us are good enough to go to heaven alone. We have to know Jesus but, but Joel, I've got people in my family that are good people. And listen, I'm not denying that there are good folks. But none of us are good enough to get to heaven. Let me give you a quote from Martin Luther. He said, sin is not canceled by lawful living. For no person is able to live up to the law. Nothing can take away sin except the grace of God. Listen, I'm going to have me a fit. Nothing can take away sin except the grace of God. I can't take away your sin. You can't take away my sin. Only the grace of God can. And he wants to do that for you today. Now about 28 minutes or so ago, I talked to us originally about the evidence and the victory of the resurrection. Let's talk about that victory for just a moment right before I close. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Any victory that I've ever had in my life has been because of Jesus. There's nothing good inside of me except Jesus. Just ask Joe. Ask Zeke. Ask Danny. Ask my mom and dad. Ask my mother-in-law. Ask anybody who loves me. The only good thing in me is Jesus. Now, would you get honest with yourself and look in the mirror and say, likewise. The only thing good in me is Jesus. And friend, if you don't know Jesus, then there's nothing good in you. Now allow the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ on the day of resurrection to become your victory. How do I do that? We do that by repenting of our sins and believing in the gospel. So lastly, and one more time, would you give our guys a call? 256-232-0602. And then again, if you don't want to talk to anybody live, contact us via email. Info at fbcathens.org. The Via Della Rosa. The evidence and victory of resurrection. It's what today is all about. I pray that you'll allow it to be that in your life as well.